All right, friends, it's hoop ball promo time. This is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league all right friends it's hoop ball promo time this is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league the following is a hoop ball presentation What's good? Thank you for tuning in. It is March 4th, 2020. I am your host, Alan Strokey, and this is the Box Score Breakdown, a hoopball.com and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, of course, is the title sponsor of this podcast and all podcasts on the hoopball.com network. You could look them up on their website, hawaiianisles.com. You can look them up on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Coffee. And you can always look them up on Amazon, or sorry, on Twitter, by searching for the handle H-I Kona Coffee. That is H-I-K-O-N-A Coffee. Hawaiian Isles, taste the Kona difference and get yourself a cup today. This is uh, take two of this podcast. My computer hit me with that random unannounced update. I guess maybe not unannounced because I've just been ignoring all of its pleads. (laughs) 
that it uh, in the in form of notifications that it sends me to update that I always I always ignore them. And it hit me this time. It really bit me in the ass. Mid recording, hit with the update. Audio file nowhere to be found once it's back on. So I'm going to be going over a lot of things I've already talked about here. But hopefully that will help with the speed and pacing of this podcast. I won't gloss over unimportant details, but I will not. Uh, I'm not going to bog you all down with fluff. So let's get right into it. All right. First game on the night is the Boston Celtics visiting the Cleveland Cavaliers. And this one filled to the brim with injuries on both sides. We'll start with the Boston side of things who are missing three of their core starting group. Gordon Hayward missed this game with a right knee contusion. Uh, His status is sort of up in the air for Boston's next game until we learn more. Kimball Walker is sitting out the second night of a back-to-back with his knee issue, which is, I guess, something we're, uh, we should be expecting moving forward. And the sort of bigger one is Jalen Brown, who is missed this game with a right hamstring uh, injury, and he's expected to miss uh, the next week at least. So of the three here, he's the one who might have the prolonged absence. This is also in better news for the Boston Celtics. Jalen, it's not Jalen, Jason Tatum. Uh, was able to come back after missing last night's game with an illness. So he provided a ton of offense, predictably, for the Celtics. He led the team in scoring easily, 32 points on 11 of 24 shooting, contributed with nine boards, six assists, two steals, a block, and five three-pointers. He's cruising. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be slowing down at any other at any point as we barrel towards the end of the season here. Bunch of guys moved into the starting lineup. We'll talk about, uh, well, why don't we start with Marcus Smart, who is basically the second in command of this ship with all the injuries. He shot 5 of 15 from the floor, but he also had 8 of 8 from the free throw line en route to 18 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and 4 turnovers in 32 minutes. Elsewhere here, Grant Williams moved into the starting lineup. He shot 4 of 6 from the field and scored 8 points to go with 5 rebounds, had an assist, a steal, and a block. Brad Wanamaker got the start for Kimball Walker. He shot two of six from the field for six points, two rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a turnover. Daniel Tice actually saw a lot of a nice, a sharp reduction to his minutes. He only played 19, scored five points to go with three rebounds, and had a steal and a block shot. We'll talk more about Tice in a second here. Off the bench, Simi Ojale who went to the locker room, uh, but came back. I don't even think it was, I don't even know what it was. It seems like it was a pretty insignificant injury, but he scored 22 points off the bench with five threes, six boards, two assists and a block in 30 minutes. Obviously that's not going to be something that he can replicate once the Boston has more bodies back. Enos Cantor double doubled off the bench in 14 minutes with 10 points, 11 rebounds and a steal on three of six shooting. And Robert Williams played 14 minutes, uh, scored six points, five rebounds, and had a steal in three block shots. So that's a good play, uh, point to sort of tailor the Celtics conversation here is the return of the Time Lord. Return of the Time Lord. I like that. Robert Williams is back in the lineup, and Brad Stevens doesn't look like he's going to waste any time in sort of reverting back to the three-man center rotation that we saw before he went down in early December. And that's not good news for Daniel Tice owners, primarily. That's the biggest takeaway here. We've already seen some of the ramifications of this because Tice's minutes were, I think, they're pretty de- they're close to 20 or 21 in last night's game, the previous one as well, where I think Robert Williams got himself up to maybe 11 or 12 minutes. I pulled up the numbers 
from the start of the season to December 6th, which was Robert Williams' last game before missing three months with that hip injury. And the minutes distribution looks that they had then looked very similar to the one that Brad Stevens ran with tonight. 21 minutes per game for Tice, 15, may call it 16 for Enos Cantor, and 14 for Robert Williams. Those were the minute, that was the minutes distribution pre injury. In that time, Daniel Tice only was Daniel Tice was the only fantasy relevant guy, and just barely so. He was number one thirty eight in nine category leagues. Enos Cantor was outside the top two hundred, and Robert Williams was around one sixty. If Williams is to play fourteen minutes a game, the biggest question it will be is Daniel Tice no longer this mid round option that he's become over the last well, really <laughs> three months. I have the numbers here for Tice in that span without Williams. He was number 69 in nine category leagues, and he was playing 25 minutes a game. A reduction in four to five minutes could be, you know, if he was playing 20 every night, he's not going to be an unuseful fantasy asset, but this is averages we're talking about. There'll be some nights where he'll probably get himself closer to the high 20s, but then there'll be nights like tonight where he doesn't even break 20 and that is going to be very difficult to rely on in head-to-head settings. My advice is to stick it out because he's been that good. He's worth holding on to for a while, for a little bit longer. If you're in your playoffs right now, it might be a little tougher to make a commitment like that. But I think that he has shown enough consistency. It, 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 truly, he, he's been a consistent Mid-round option all year. Daniel Tice, obviously, who I'm talking about here. He deserves perhaps one or two more games. The next game that Boston plays is the sixth this upcoming Friday against Utah. Keep a very close eye on Boston's centered minutes distribution heading in there. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the big story on the Celtic side of things. For the Cleveland side of things, they're dealing with a slew of injuries themselves. Andre Drummond missed his second straight game and fourth out of his last five with a calf injury that I suppose he re-aggravated after going for that big 27 and 13 rebound game. His status moving forward is unclear. Tristan Thompson missed his third straight game with his knee issue. And Kevin Porter Jr., who's really come on lately, had to leave this game after only 10 minutes with what appears to be a concussion. At the very least, it was an injury to his head. He was unable to return to the game. And if he you know, has a concussion, he could be sidelined for a week or two. Another big blow for teams who are ramping up to the playoffs and looking to, uh, to utilize this really hot run he's been on. Darius Garland, by the way, also missed his second straight game with a groin injury. So, yeah, both teams down with bodies here. Boston, I don't think I mentioned at the top, Boston won this one 112-106. to So there you go with that. We'll start with Colin Sexton, who went off for a career-high 41 points on in 45 minutes, shot 17 of 30 from the floor, had three rebounds, six assists, a steal, four turnovers, and three three-pointers. A really just solid game for a guy who, while he gets a lot of sh- a lot of uh, knocks against his game uh, for <laughs> the lack of anything else, you can't deny that he has sort of taken a step up in his second year. So encouraging stuff for Cleveland in that respect, Kevin love in 37 minutes also added a pretty, a pretty full line, 26 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, a block and five threes. 
on 9 of 17 shooting. Larry Nance Jr. continues to blow past everyone's expectations uh, post-trade deadline. 19 points, per, uh, uh, 15 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, and 2 three-pointers on 7 of 13 shooting in 39 minutes. A fantastic line out of Nance, one of the best on the night. Jetty Osmond in 43 minutes was forgettable. 13 points on 14 shots, only shot 3 of 14. 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. He's pretty – he shouldn't be owned anywhere. I don't even know what his ownership numbers are, but they're not – it should it should be zero. He's not a helpful fantasy guy. And Matthew Dellavedova entered the starting lineup, and he played 35 minutes, missed all eight of his shots, had five rebounds, four assists, and you're not going to do anything there in case you were looking for some sort of pickup without Kevin Porter Jr. Cavs basically ran with a seven-man lineup, which tells you all you need to know about the state of their team at the moment. And yeah, Cavs are really, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. was sort of the most interesting player. Well, really, okay, no. Larry Nance Jr. is the most interesting player on this team post-trade deadline. He has been a top 40 option. In 29 minutes a game, he's averaging 12 points, 7.8 rebounds, 2.9 assists, a steal and a half, and surprisingly low blocks on .3 blocks, but it doesn't matter. He's carrying your team right now with terrific rebounding and steals numbers on decent percentages. And he's just going to keep going big. We were all afraid, and I think rightfully so, that he wasn't going to have the role that uh, he had pre-trade deadline because of Drummond and Love and Thompson all being in the way. But at this point, I don't even think you have to worry about all four of those dudes being healthy at the same time. Just doesn't look likely. And even so, he he's finding minutes at the uh, he's finding some minutes at the wings here and there, which can help him bump himself up to even more usable value. So yeah, fantastic guy to hold, hold on to. Congrats to you. If you ignored a lot of the advice that was out there about dropping Nance, you were smart to hold him. And as far as Kevin Porter Jr. goes, yeah, he's been playing pretty well. He was close to a top 100 guy since the trade deadline, or really, really since Vickerstaff took over. And that will continue once he's back. But if you're in the playoffs right now, obviously he's a drop. Because he's not going to be, able, you're not going to be able to use him for the rest of the week, and you can't afford to sit on a guy who's really just nothing more than a top ninety-ish player when he's hot, when he's playing well like he is right now. So yeah. All right, moving on. We have the Oklahoma City Thunder visiting the Detroit Pistons, the the point guardless Detroit Pistons. We'll start with the Thunder side of things. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. With a fantastic line tonight, 27 points on an efficient 12 of 15 shooting, two three-pointers, two rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks, and just one turnover. One of the best nine-cat lines on the night, all in 35 minutes. Chris Paul in 34 minutes, shot 7 of 10 from the floor, scored 16 points to go with four rebounds, six assists, three steals, and had six turnovers as well. Steven Adams in 32 minutes, scored eight points to go with seven rebounds, three assists, three steals, and a block shot. And Danilo Gallinari, in his 33 minutes, scored 19 points to go with seven boards and assist, four steals, and three three-pointers. By the way, I should have mentioned at the top, the Thunder won this one, 114-107. to Which, uh, yeah, it seems like this game was well out, which was, the score was a little farther apart, but Detroit made some garbage time run here. Whatever. And Dennis Schroeder off the bench, 23 points, 7-14 shooting to go with two threes, nine assists, and a rebound. 
And Netherlands Noel in 16 minutes had eight points, four defensive stats, three blocks and a steal, three rebounds on four of five shooting. Nothing really to add on the th- on the Thunder front. They're healthy. They're consistent. You really only care about their. There's really only six. Th- those six guys I mentioned are the only ones that are worth monitoring. With all of them pretty safe standard league players nowadays, aside from Nerlens Noel, who's really just a defensive stat specialist. Detroit. They are without Derek Rose, um, who's going to be, be missing weeks with his sprained right ankle, and Bruce Brown missed his third, I want to say, game in a row with a knee contusion. But uh, there was comments from Dwayne Casey uh, from a practice earlier this week saying that he was hopeful that he'd be able to play on the weekend back-to-back set. That's important because with the, it's impor- those two injuries are important because Bruce Brown, when he does return, he's, uh, he's basically going to be playing 35 minutes a night at a minimum, half at point guard, maybe even more so, half at shooting guard. He's going to be, uh, I think he's going to be a fantastic down the stretch fantasy player, and you should find a way to put him on your teams. Anyway, let's move into the box score for tonight's proceedings. Christian Wood continues to be the only player on this team besides Bruce Brown, who I have any care for at all in any sort of fantasy scenario. 29 points, 12 of 16 shooting, five three pointers, nine rebounds, three assists in a block shot. Also had six turnovers, but who cares? He also hit five three pointers. Did I mention that? I'm going to say that again. Five threes. He's doing fantastic. Fantastic stuff nowadays. Since the trade deadline, he is number 32 in nine category leagues. That's 10 games, 21 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, over a block and close to two threes on really good percentages. He's everything that we thought he would be. And he's literally the only Piston who's producing fantasy value right now. Literally the only one. The next closest since the trade deadline is Tony Snell, who's number 133 in nine category leagues. Tony Snell, guys. Speaking of Snell, in 32 minutes, he scored five points, three rebounds, had six assists because there's because I guess someone needs to make some plays on this team and two steals and a block and a three. Honestly, tonight's line probably boosted him up those those nine cat rankings more than anything. Brandon Knight was the guy who got the start at point guard, and he played he played fair. It was a fair game for him. In 38 minutes, he scored 18 points to go with two rebounds, had seven assists and two steals and four three pointers. He's going to continue to start. I would. Uh, I mean, he's going to have no choice but to start and play heavy minutes until Bruce Brown returns. Elsewhere in the starting lineups, V. Mikhailuk had 13 points on five of 14 shooting, three three pointers, four assists, a steal, and a rebound. And John Henson, who continues to start but play very low minutes, and 20 tonight. He had 10 points, five rebounds, and assists, and a steal, no block shots. The other interesting note on this team was Jordan McRae, who surprisingly, you know, the, all the reports were that Phoenix were going to make the play for him after he had cleared waivers, or I guess they were going to make a waiver play for him, but Detroit had priority and they scooped him, which makes a lot of sense considering that they don't have any guards who can handle the ball anymore. They're completely devoid of that. So Jordan McRae is now a Detroit Piston and right out the gate, hours after being signed, he got in there for 26 minutes and scored 15 points on 5 of 11 shooting to go with two three-pointers, two rebounds, three assists, and nothing else really of note. So, yeah, I spent, I spent at the top I talked about Bruce Brown being my top target, and he still is. I think that he is going to play a ton of minutes 
and he's going to be a great source of assists and rebounds and steals for you down your stretch. But Jordan McRae does make things a little interesting here because, look, this was his first game, and he's seen 26 minutes right out the shoot. I think that could easily bump up to 30. Easily. He doesn't know anything about this team. He doesn't know anything about the play sets. He just got thrown in there because, hey, Jordan, we don't have any point guards right now. We barely have any shooting guards. Just go out there and score. And he did that. And he will do that going forward. I don't know if it's necessarily compare. It's fair to compare the production that he had in Washington when he was sort of the big man scoring there. Not the big man. He's a very small man relative to NBA standards. But you know what I mean. He was the big man on campus. Without Bradley Beal, he was the go-to guy. That Detroit's offense is not nearly as fantasy-friendly as Washington's was. And even then, McRae's game is points and threes-centric. He can get you some assists here and there. And in particular, on this team, with their lack of point guard available players, now that Rose is gone, he, he might get himself into the playmaking side of things once he's more familiar. But he's more than likely just going to be a top 120 to maybe top 100 type of player. He's fairly fringy. I'm not going to break the bank to go at him in any spots, unless I'm really hurting in points and threes. So just keep him in mind. He's going to play, again, he's just going to play a ton moving forward, if tonight's any indication. Next game on the docket is Pacers and Bucks. Nationally televised game in this one. The Bucks win this one 119-100. We'll start with Indiana, who lost Malcolm Brogdon 11 minutes into this game with a hip injury. I read a blurb. This is rough. This is Brogdon's seventh different injury that he has suffered this season. That's, that's bad. You know, we talk about how, how he looked so good to start the year, and he did. I mean, he looked amazing. One of the best. He was looking like one of the steals of the fantasy draft. But he's really fallen off the map. His shot has completely fallen off. He's just not able to compile the stats at the volume that he was before. And I got to say, if, you're suffered, if you've suffered seven injuries over the course of like, what, four or five months, I'd imagine it'd be tough to maintain any type of consistency. So really tough break for Brogdon. Um unclear what his status will be moving forward but will it's obviously worth keeping an eye on the guy who got the playing time in his absence was tj mcconnell who i guess we're starting here in 30 minutes off the bench scored 14 points with four rebounds six assists two steals on seven of 13 shooting if we find out that brogdon is sidelined for a while uh i think that he becomes an intriguing deep league point guard stream mcconnell has always proven himself to be a rather fantasy friendly player when he's given the minutes Aaron Holiday might be cut, uh, would figure to become pretty interesting as well. But he had to play a little more shooting guard tonight because Victor Oladipo missed this game with a knee injury. Um, which uh, I think I read also that Oladipo was in pregame warmups for this one. So he seems a little closer to coming back. Um, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. But Aaron Holiday also makes sense as a guy who you probably dropped because he's been a little underwhelming as the starting shooting guard. He becomes a lot more interesting probably as the starting point guard here. Tonight, he, in 25 minutes, only scored five points to go with five rebounds and assist two steals. 
Put him on your watch list. See what he does in his next game if Brogdon is not playing. Elsewhere, Devontis Sabonis in 37 minutes ran into the rim defending gauntlet that is Milwaukee. He only scored six of he only scored 15 points on six of 16 shooting, 10 rebounds, and seven assists, and six turnovers, and a three pointer. No defensive stats. Rough outing for him, but he'll bounce back. T.J. Warren, similarly, similarly, in uh, in 33 minutes, scored 18 points on 8 of 18 shooting, 4 rebounds, had an assist with no defensive stats, and no turnovers as well. And Miles Turner in the starting lineup also had 7 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 blocks with 1-3. He is basically just a block specialist nowadays. That's really all there is to that. The other interesting guy that I'm keeping an eye on is Justin Holiday, whose minutes have not really been where I would have expected them to have been since Jeremy Lamb went down. He, he played 19 tonight, still managed to get you four steals, which, frankly, that's why you have him on your team. That is the three-pointers. He didn't have any of those. Four points, three rebounds, and the four steals. Those steals floated his line tonight and make him useful for you if you still have him. And he just, you know, I think that's really just where he's capped at. I still think that he has potential, if he can see 23 to 25 minutes a night, to be a standard league-ish type of player. But uh, it, it looks like we're not really going to see a whole ton of consistency from out of him moving forward. Move to, on to Milwaukee now, who's a really easy team to go through these days. You know the drill. The starters beat the hell out of whoever it is that they're playing, and they usually don't see over 30 minutes a game, and that is exactly what happened here. No starter for Milwaukee He's played more than uh, 29 minutes, which was Chris Middleton. Led the team in minutes tonight. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 three-pointers on 9 of 16 shooting. Giannis Antetokounmpo scored 29 points to go with 12 boards, 6 assists, and a steal with two threes. Brooke Lopez in 25 minutes uh, didn't do much, but he had some defensive stats and threes. He had three points, five rebounds, an assist, two steals, a block, and one three-pointer. Wes Matthews scored 15 on 6 of 10 shooting to go with four rebounds and not much else. And then Eric Bledsoe had uh, a, a nice game after three pretty lackluster performances. 27 minutes, he scored 16 points to go with five boards and seven assists and a three-pointer. 27 minutes was a little higher than what he's seen recent, uh, in his last three that I mentioned. I think he saw 22 minutes in all three of those. And perhaps part of the reason you could tie that to is that George Hill was out for this game with a groin injury. He went was probable to start the day, but was quickly downgraded to doubtful and then out. So unclear what happened there. Keep your eye on that moving forward. With him gone... Bledsoe might be able to get to closer to 25 minutes as his floor, and that's pretty good. Bledsoe's, the biggest knock on Bledsoe is that Milwaukee is just too good in that he doesn't play enough to always get you the value that you hope that he would get you. The big news, I guess the big fantasy story from tonight's game was Dante DiVincenzo, who in 23 minutes, the Big Ragu, underrated nickname. I need to start using it more. The Big Ragu in 23 minutes. Scored 19 points on 5 of 10 shots, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, and a block with 3 three-pointers and 2 turnovers. He's a, a very potent steal streamer. 
I've talked him up a, a good amount on this podcast as being a very underrated standard league type of player. If he's floating around your wire, which is a good chance he is, once you get into your playoffs, keep him in mind for those weeks where Milwaukee plays four games or something like that. Anyway, let's move right along here. We have the Magic and the Heat, the Sun Belt Battle. Miami winning this game 116 to 113. We'll start with the Orlando side of things. They're a pretty easy team to handicap nowadays. Nikola Vucevic is a second-round player. He did a lot of that second-round stuff tonight. 22 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists in a block in 40 minutes. Markel Fultz was okay in 31 minutes. He scored 14 points on 6 of 10 shots, 2 rebounds and 6 assists with no defensive stats. Aaron Gordon continues to get himself involved in the playmaking side of things, which is really what's revitalized his fantasy value of late. 11 points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists, and 2 steals on 5 of 10 shots. Evan Fournier continues to be a very uh, potent and efficient scorer. 17 points on 6 of 9 shots with 1 assist, 2 steals and 2 blocks, and 3 three-pointers. That's 7 cash counters, I can add. Seven cash counters is a nice line from him tonight where, with little else going on besides the scoring in those numbers as well. And then Terrence Ross is on a heat. He's on fire right now. 35 points in 34 minutes, 12 of 18 shots, 8 for 10 from three-point land. And this is, this is neat. Zero, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, and zero blocks. It was, it was all scoring and threes for Ross tonight. And uh, that's still the type of line that probably gets him added in a whole bunch of leagues. I mean, well, I guess bad example, because Ross is probably already owned in at least half of fantasy leagues because of these scoring outbursts. He's fine, but he's not great. And probably a better points league player. Let's move on to the Miami side of things. We'll start with the starting lineup, as we tend to. Duncan Robinson led the scoring charge here at one of his crazy three-point shootouts, 27 points, 9 of 12 from the field. Of course, you know how it goes with Duncan Robinson. All 12 of those shots were threes, so nine three-pointers, two rebounds, and a steal. He is the best three-point streamer in fantasy hoops. That's that. Jimmy Butler in 34 minutes. He scored 12 points to go with seven rebounds, had eight assists and two steals on four of nine shooting from the floor. Bam Adebayo was... Relatively quiet compared to his standards. 10 points on 5 of 9 shooting, 7 rebounds and 4 assists in one block shot. Kendrick Nunn was also fairly quiet in 23 minutes, scored 9 points to go with a rebound, 2 assists, and a steal. And in the starting lineup, Derek Jones Jr. played 21 minutes and scored 9 points to got himself a steal in a block, which is what you're hoping for out of him, as well as 2 rebounds and 2 assists. The bench, though... Uh, there's a few interesting notes on the Miami bench. We'll start with uh, Jake Crowder, who continues to see gigantic minute loads. 32 minutes, only shot one of eight from the floor. His field goal percentage has really plummeted back down to earth. Seven rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block, though, and one three-pointer. That's still somewhat useful. Taking a look at his numbers since the trade deadline, Jake Crowder is, in those 11 games that he's been with Miami, he's been a top 40 option, number 36 in nine-category leagues. Those numbers are floated by his – that average is floated by three three-pointers a game in a steal and a half. 
his field goal percentage at a certain point was like over 500. Now it's back down to 45%. And I would imagine the further we get into this Miami Heat tenure, 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 he is going to probably get himself closer to the 40-ish percent mark. Because, you know, don't forget, he was really, really bad from the field in Memphis earlier this season. I think he was shooting about 36%, maybe 39%, somewhere between those numbers. So if you're a team who really, you know, he's going to hurt you there. It's definitely coming. But it does look like that the threes and steals between those two things, he will continue to maintain some fantasy value. He, It's kind of impressive. He's maintained a relatively safe minutes floor in Miami, a team that's very notorious for yanking guys' minutes around. So... Yeah, that, it is what it is on that. There's obviously no ad to make because Jake Crowder's pretty much owned everywhere, as he should be for this really solid production here. Kelly Olynyk went 5-5 five of five off the bench, 16 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists in 3 three-pointers. He's really playing well. He's just not getting enough minutes to be trustworthy in fantasy settings. Like There's, there's no player in fantasy that you can trust in 15 minutes a night, which is basically what he's averaging, regardless if he starts – comes off the bench, what have you. He's a guy I'm definitely keeping tabs on for whenever he gets to go to another team. He could be a monstrous player next season. And then uh, Goran Dragic scored 25 points on 8 and 15 shots, 9 assists, 2 rebounds, and a steal. Great name, great game for Dragic, but really, uh, on the whole, he's outside of a standard league usefulness despite the high minutes totals that he usually sees on a night-to-night basis. <laughs> So we'll move along here. Um, you know what? This is about the point where my podcast, uh, my last recording cut out. And, you know, it's my podcast right now. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm overseeing things. And I, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to skip around. I want to go to talk about this game because it's the most interesting game on the night, in my opinion, from like a fantasy perspective. And that's the Chicago Bulls and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota won this one, 115-108. to 108. Chicago, we'll start there. They got back. Laurie, Laurie Markkinen made his return today after missing close to a month with a pelvic injury. And last night's game, they got Otto Porter Jr. back. Oh, I guess it wasn't last night. It was two nights ago. Otto Porter Jr. came back after missing three months with a foot injury. Now, all of a sudden, Chicago has all of their guys back, except... For their biggest piece, Zach Levine, who was sitting out tonight's game with a quad injury, and I believe at a practice earlier this week said that he expects to miss a week. So, of course, Chicago, I saw some crazy stat, but since Chicago acquired Otto Porter at the trade deadline last season, Chicago's true, in quotation marks, starting lineup of Levine, um, Markinen, Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, and some point guard. I guess it was Chris Dunn. Maybe at least those four guys of, of Chicago's court, they've only played like 20 games together in a season and a half. It's crazy stuff. So, yeah, a lot of stuff to keep our, our, our eyes on in Chicago. Now that these guys are back on the fold, Lori Markinen in tonight's return, he got back into the starting lineup over Thad Young. 
He played 21 minutes and scored 13 points on uh, with four rebounds, six of 10 shooting, and one three. Thad Young, off the bench, still saw 29 minutes. Had 13 points with six rebounds, four assists, three steals, two blocks, and one three-pointer. And this is basically Thad's, Thad Young's last hurrah. He's been really, really good over his last couple of weeks. He was kind of iffy when he moved into the starting lineup uh, initially when Markinen went down, but he really settled into a groove, and it's pretty much over now. I Once Markinen gets himself back up to his usual allotment of minutes, I have very little to almost no faith that Thaddeus Young can maintain fantasy value. He he wasn't good before when he was just seeing 20 minutes a night. And I could very easily see the minutes dis- uh, distribution between he and Markkinen, the ones that we saw tonight, flip once Markkinen is ready to take on the extra minutes load. So if you have Thaddeus Young and he, you know, it's probably going to be tough to let him go, but be prepared because he's about to start putting up clunkers and unhelpful fantasy lines. He needs the minutes. You could ride him for one more game because Markkinen's not going to get to that minutes threshold any, t- uh, you know, immediately. But I don't think you, I don't think you can expect what we saw out of him tonight. It's also worth remembering that this, that Minnesota's got a very, um, very not good front line right now. So it's probably easy for a guy like Thaddeus Young to get it, to get himself scoring and collecting those defensive stats, all the stuff that he does really well. Minnesota's a relative cakewalk compared to a lot of other front lines out there. While we talk about the small forward battle here, Otto Porter Jr. off the bench only saw 18 minutes despite Chicago saying that they were raising his minutes limit to 20 to 22. He just didn't play all that well tonight. He shot one of eight from the floor, four rebounds, three assists, and a block shot. He's, you know, he's interesting. Uh, after the 18-point outburst in his first game back, I think that there was a lot of excitement, and I think rightfully so. He looked really good in that game. And it was reasonable to assume that you missed three months with this foot injury. Perhaps it explains why you looked so out of sorts to start the year. I mean, right from the get-go, when you watched Otto Porter play to start the season, he looked like he was playing hurt. And it wasn't until about a month into the year that we finally got word that he's got this foot, this I don't even remember what it's been so long. I don't even remember exactly what the foot issue was, but it was enough to keep him out of the lineup basically indefinitely until a week ago. So you have a really good performance weighed with this really bad performance tonight. Where do we expect him to be moving forward? I think he's still worth holding at you know, I'm going to I'm going to steal a talking point that I heard on uh, today's edition of Fantasy NBA Today with Dan and Brandon talking about these guys. I think that uh, Dan, I think that they both concluded on a, a very solid point here that Porter has upside. True, true. We we've seen it well documented upside that he's worth holding on to through the bad games to see if he can ramp himself up to basically somewhere in that ballpark of fantasy value that we've seen him do before. However, that's situa- it should be situationally based. 
sorry, I'm talking all over myself tonight, guys. It should be situationally based. If you're in a play, if you're secured in your playoff position and it doesn't start for another two weeks, which I know a majority of playoffs in Yahoo leagues are, that's the standard. I think it's March 16th. If you're locked into a playoff spot, Otto Porter is absolutely worth holding on to. He has that level of upside, and there's enough logic here to assume that there's a chance that he could get himself up to a usable spot. If you're fighting for the playoffs, conversely, he you probably don't have the luxury to hold on to him. As tough as it may be, if you want, uh, it's just he's going to be. I think tonight showed us that it can get real ugly for him real quick. He's going to take a lot of shots, it looks like. It doesn't seem like Chicago is uh, steering him away from that. But you got this guy's got to get his legs underneath him. And he's just going to be drilling holes into your team if he's not if he's just taking high volume looks like this and not doing anything with them. So I think that's you know I'm, I think that's just the correct way to approach the situation. If you're in a roto league, which doesn't even matter with playoffs, it's still sort of the same situation. If you're doing really well right now, say you're ahead in your game's cap, he's a solid guy to hold on to. But you know, if you're down in the standings and you need to make runs and you need to find usable streaming options, he's probably not a guy that's worth holding on to. There's very few injured guys that are worth holding on to at this stage in a roto setting. Perhaps maybe a guy like Bruce Brown is someone who's acceptable considering that there are reports that he will be back for the weekend and he's got a ton of usage and minutes waiting for him once that happens. I think that's a fine hold. Dwayne Dedman, who is going to be coming back to the, uh, the Hawks lineup on Friday and figures to be their starting center, in my mind, the rest of the way, I don't think we're seeing Clint Capella. And if we are, it's not going to be at a point where the fantasy landscape matters all that much i think he's a guy who's currently injured that's worth holding on to well because he's gonna be playing in this next game Otto porter is a commitment he's an investment and it's gonna be too much to withstand so assess your situation and go from there as for laurie markinen he's in a similar boat but i think he'll have an easier time of ramping up because he's already in the starting lineup um I don't think that he has nearly – he hasn't dealt with nearly the magnitude of issues that Porter has this year. Granted, his upside isn't as high as Porter's could be, but he does have usable top 80-ish upside as this stretch four. Um, and I don't think it will be long before he's playing his 29 minutes again. So that one I feel okay if, no matter your setting unless you're in the playoffs right now, like right now. I have no problem sitting on Laurie as you as we continue to watch him ramp up. Anyway, let's talk about the rest of the Bulls here before we move on to the Timberwolves. The uh, leading scorer for Chicago was Kobe White. White hot Kobe White. 26 points on 11 of 22 shots, two three-pointers, six assists, and a rebound. And I'm going to eat crow on this one, guys, because I've definitely been talking him, playing him down. I was like, this is just a clear hot streak here that is it's just going to fall off, and it's going to fall off in a big way. Kobe White has been going nuts over his last 10 games. I have him right here. 
Over his last 10, in 31 minutes a night, he's scoring 21 points per game on with three three-pointers, four rebounds and four assists, and a steal, 44% from the field and 93 from the line. That's good enough to give him top 50 rankings in nine category leagues. He's been fantastic. He looks like he's certainly turning a corner in his rookie season, as we often do with rookie guards, mind you. Saw that with Trey Young last year. Saw that with Luka Doncic last year to a degree as well, uh, who was a rookie guard. Um, I still find White's game to be a little empty outside the scoring stuff, although that 10-game averages I just read out seems pretty full to me. Four rebounds and four assists. Yeah, if you have him, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, good job not listening to me. You were totally right to do so. And just keep riding him until the wheels fall off, especially with Zach Levine out. He's going to slot in very nicely into the, a lot of those offensive sets that they have for Levine. Elsewhere in the starting lineup, Shaq Harrison starting at small forward, and he scored 19 points to go with two rebounds, two assists, and three steals and three three-pointers. And Tomas Sadoransky, he's – been fine. Ten points, five rebounds, five assists in a steal, five of eleven shooting. He's really kind. Of, well, I say he's fine, but he's really honestly turned himself into an assist specialist lately. Helps you out with some steals too, but he's rather fringy. He's probably a safe guy to consider dropping, unless you're in need of assists. Let's move on to the simple, uh, the Timberwolves side of things, who aren't quite as interesting as Chicago, but are rather interesting. Malik Beasley led the scoring charge, 24 points on 8 of 14 shooting. He uh, also contributed three rebounds and two assists and four three-pointers. D'Angelo Russell in 31 minutes. He scored 19 points to go with three rebounds, four assists, and a steal with four threes. Those two continue to hold down the fort without Carl Anthony Towns, both top 50 guys. Russell, top 30 since Towns went down with the injury. So keep riding those two. The big interesting stuff, though, comes with the front court here. Nas Reed has really picked it up over his last two ball games. He, I think he compiled five defensive stats in his last game, and in tonight's game, he, he kept his foot on the gas. He had 16 points with 11 rebounds on 5 of 10 shooting, three assists and two block shots, and three three-pointers, all in 25 minutes. Only had two fouls. He's figuring it out on the fly. You know, he when he first slotted into the starting lineup, he put up a lot of clunkers, mostly because he couldn't stay on the floor long enough. He kept getting, fouling himself out. And then he got past the foul issues, but the fantasy stuff wasn't quite there, probably because a lot of his game was focused on learning how to play defense without fouling, which is tough to do for a lot of these big guys. You know, you see – highly acclaimed players like Jaron Jackson Jr., Mitchell Robinson, and Wendell Carter, who who have all struggled with the defensive the 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 fouling issue. So it's a credit to Nas Reed that he's been a lot better at that over his last five or so games here. And yeah, I mean he's really come on in a big way. He's now uh, brought himself up to a top 80 value, sorry, top 90 value without towns, a lot of which is uh credited to his last three games. And I think he's a solid hold and should be used everywhere until Towns is back. Another guy who should continue to be held on to is James Johnson, who I he's really, really impressive right now, guys. 
he had the rough outing with the two points and the four rebounds and nothing else, I think, two games ago. But he is a defensive stat magnet in his current role. 22 minutes off the bench, eight points, four rebounds, five assists, two steals, three blocks, and a three-pointer. That's tasty, tasty stuff, guys. I mean, my goodness. He had um, – he's a top 70 guy without Towns in nine games played. He's averaging – a steal and a half and 1.8 blocks per game in that span. He's just, he, he's, he's a perfect guy to have if you're in need of defensive stats. And he, he's not, and it's not all he does too. He, he's a good playmaker. He's always been a good playmaker, but he's really doing well at that right now as well. He's averaging five rebounds and three and a half assists in that nine game span as well. Very usable guy should be held on to everywhere. And, perhaps even beyond once Towns is back. Who knows? Um, all right, that's enough time on this game. I, I could tell you what Juan Hernan Gomez did. 12.7 rebounds, two assists, and a steal, and two threes on, in 31 minutes. Good stuff, but you know, not earth-shattering. That's, that's my full take on him as a fantasy asset as well. Grizzlies and Nets. We'll move on there. And good God, the Nets are they're in such dire straits these days. Memphis wins this one, one eighteen to seventy nine. Imagine scoring seventy nine points in today's NBA. Memphis, for the record, they have held their their last three opponents to below ninety points. Last three games. That's impressive. Give them credit where credit's due. Of course, it came against some. Iffy opponents, although the Hawks, I was at that Hawks-Memphis game and <laughs> felt like I wasted my money because the Hawks played like garbage the whole time. They're a good offense, though, so give credit to Memphis's defense. They're really starting to piece things together without a lot of their core guys. That has not really translated, though, to fantasy value for this team because since uh, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s and Brandon Clark's injuries, Jonas Valanciunas has been like the only fantasy relevant guy with a slight shout out to Gorgie Dang. Everyone else on this team, though, they're really struggling from a fantasy perspective. We'll start with JV, who didn't do much in the scoring department, nine points on four of nine shooting, but he did add 16 rebounds, two assists and a block shot to the line. So pretty good stuff out of him. John Morant, who is close to fantasy relevant, during the stretch without the two fours, but he's really, you know, the, 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 there's something still missing there. He has scored 15 points, seven rebounds, five assists on six of 15 shooting tonight with a steal. The defensive stats have not been there as much as one might think. His field goal percentage has been nice though, which is, I think been the case all year with him, you just kind of hope that he adds a little more defense to the lines to really kind of help float his value. DeAnthony Melton, who I, another, uh, some more, more crow I probably need to eat, but not for the reasons that not as fun as the Kobe white reasons. Melton has not been fantasy useful at all since Memphis's trade deadline. He scored nine points in this game on three of nine shots. All were three pointers. He had three rebounds and three assists in a block shot, which is okay. But as a whole, he's been outside the top 220 in nine category leagues. He's just 
The defensive stats aren't there. The minutes aren't exactly as high as we would have thought they would be either. And yeah, he just, I don't think that he deserves roster. Uh, he doesn't warrant roster ownership in any setting. Kyle Anderson was another guy that I was keeping close tabs on as sort of a punt points, punt threes type of player. Tonight, he in 22 minutes, he scored 12 points on five of nine shots with five rebounds and nothing else. He since sort of, I guess, goes against what one might have expected since JJJ and Brandon Clark went out. Kyle Anderson, who is basically one of the true fours left on the roster, he's been outside the top 170 in that six-game span. So another L on my part. He's probably not going to be worthwhile at all, aside from some streaming stretches here and there for teams looking for some defensive stuff and some uh, assists and rebounds. Off the bench, Gorgie Jang in 19 minutes had 14 rebounds on two or four shots, two block shots and six points. He's a fine streamer until one of those two forwards come back from Memphis. Josh Jackson having a nice two-game run here. He scored 19 points on six of 12 shots, four three-pointers, an assist, and two steals. I'm not doing anything there, and I'm all right. And I'm, and I'm perfectly fine with being wrong on that one, but Josh Jackson has proven pretty significantly that he's not a fantasy guy over the years. Tyus Jones um, also played pretty well off the bench with 18 points, five rebounds, and six assists. Let's move over, though, to the Brooklyn side of things, which is – so gross. Granted, they're, they're, this is the second night of a back-to-back for them. An overtime game at that. Karis LeVert with the 50-point masterpiece that he put on yesterday. Not quite as good in tonight's game, which I guess is to be expected. 14 points of 6-19 and 19 shots. Four rebounds, six assists, and a steal. He's actually the only Brooklyn net, though, that's worth anything since Kyrie Irving went down with his injury. He's still a top 40 guy since that happened. But no one else on this team has even gotten close to fantasy value. Not even close. Other lines from tonight, Torian Prince, 15 points of 6 of 19 shots, 5 rebounds, no defensive stats, no assist, 2 threes. He's been terrible without Kyrie Irving. Outside the top 270 in 13 games, his field goal percent has fallen off a cliff. He's shooting 37% on 11 shots. I've talked over, I've gone over this point to death. I don't need to do the research anymore. He's not a fantasy guy when Kyrie Irving's not playing. Simple as that. A lot of these guys aren't, frankly. The weird center battle here continues to frustrate me. Jared Allen, even though he saw, he saw, he won the minutes battle tonight. He played 29. Three of five shooting, nine rebounds, six shots, no defensive stats, three turnovers. Missed both of his free throws. Pretty rough line out of him. Spencer Dinwiddie in 27 minutes shot one of nine from the floor. Four points, four rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. He's been outside the top 160 in those 13 games without Kyrie Irving. Seems like a fair place to peg him. That's with 17 points per game, a three and a half. Four rebounds and 7.7 assists per game. All really good stuff. But he's shooting 37% from the field, and he's averaging a combined 0.8 defensive stats. It's the Reggie Jackson effect, I like to call it. He and Reggie Jackson are actually very similar fantasy players when given the minutes, which I don't think a lot of people would consider those two on the same level in real life. 
and I don't think you should, but in fantasy, they're, they're one and the same. Two peas in a pod. <laughs> Two peas in a very inefficient shooting pod. Anyway, that's really all I want. I care to talk about here. DeAndre Jordan only played 14 minutes. Just keep your eye on that minutes battle between he and Jarrett Allen. Anyhow. Oh, actually, you know what? I'll give Joe Harris uh, credit here for putting together a somewhat a pretty decent line tonight. 13 points on 5 of 13 shooting. Three three-pointers, eight rebounds, an assist, two steals, and a block. Those, uh, it's a pretty uncharacteristic line from, uh, from Joe Harris. He's not a defensive stat guy. But you'll take it when it happens. Utah and New York. The Jazz visiting the Garden here. They, scored, they won this game 112-104. to We're keeping our eye on Utah since they had that weird sort of bungled public announcement of changing their lineup last week. In the four games since that happened, Mike Conley has been uh, number 85 in nine category leagues, which is, you know, that's good. He's looking better to his credit since coming back. He scored 17 points in this game, six of nine shooting, six assists and two rebounds uh, and two three-pointers. I know that he is not the same guy as he was last year, but he does look like he's worth holding on to in most settings while he's playing like this. Rudy Gobert. Led the charge for New York uh, for Utah. 18 points, 14 rebounds, an assist, and two block shots, and seven of eight shooting. Donovan Mitchell uh, handled a lot of the scoring load with 23 points on uh, 20, an ugly 21 shots. One three, eight assists, two steals. Bojan Bogdanovic, 23 points, four rebounds, an assist, and a block shot on seven of 15 shots. And Royce O'Neal only made one of his eight shots en route to three points, four rebounds, and three assists with one three pointer. The other guy that we're keeping an eye on is Joe Harris off the bench and Jordan Clarkson. It's really those two and four of the five starters that we're talking about from fantasy. Ingles tonight played pretty well. Eight points on three or four shots, 30 minutes, five rebounds, six assists, and a steal with three turnovers. Since the lineup change, he's not he's been better than he has been recently, but he's still not fantasy useful. Top 180 in non-category leagues. And that's with the field goal percent coming back. But, yeah, he's he's an afterthought at this point moving forward. Jordan Clarkson's starting to cool off as well after a really nice stretch of scoring performances out of him. But he's the type of guy, one's the shot. When the scoring's not there, the rest of the fantasy stuff isn't as well. Seven points, one assist, two steals, and one three-pointer. To the Knicks side of things, no Mitchell Robinson tonight. Out with a hamstring issue, which is really unfortunate because he was starting to put together his best ball of the season. And now I'm relegated to not caring at all about anything that happens with this Knicks team. Let's start with Julius Randle. 32 points on 12 of 21 shots, 11 rebounds, and not much else. Alfred Payton scored 20 on 8 of 13 shots with 7 rebounds, 9 assists, and no defensive stats. A lot of no defensive stat lines tonight. Kind of interesting. Bobby Portis. Uh, absorbed a lot of Robinson's minutes, 30 minutes off the bench with 8 of 15 shots, 21 points, 4 rebounds, and a steal. Uh, R.J. Barrett on 5 of 12 shots scored 14 points to go with 4 rebounds, 5 assists, and a steal. Taj Gibson in 14 minutes didn't do anything, 2 points and a rebound. Mo Harkless in the starting lineup didn't do anything, 21 minutes with 2 points, 2 rebounds, and a steal. And that's it. 
I have nothing else to add for this team, this game, all of it. Let's move on to probably the most entertaining game of the night. Actually, not probably, by a large margin. The Dallas Mavericks and the New Orleans Pelicans. Luka versus Zion. Must-see TV. Dallas wins this one in overtime, 127 to 123. We'll start with New Orleans with uh, pretty full lines for the starting lineup. Brandon Ingram in 41 minutes, scored 27 points, five rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block shot with three three-pointers. Zion Williamson in 35 minutes, shot 9 of 18 from the floor to go with 21 points, six rebounds, three assists, and no defensive stats. Lonzo Ball continues to just play really exceedingly well. 25 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, two steals, a block, and seven three-pointers. That's a guy I'm going to be very interested to see where he goes in drafts next season. I mean, he's been playing at like a top 60 pace for the last two months. Drew Holiday played well, uh, 37 minutes, 19 points, six rebounds, six assists, two steals, and three three-pointers. And Derek Favors having a sort of a, a, a mini resurgence of late. 10 points, 14 rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block in 32 minutes. The other guy I'm paying attention to on this team is Josh Hart, hoping that he can sort of get himself into a more consistent 25-minute role. But oddly enough, since J.J. Redick went down, he his minutes have decreased. He only saw 13 in tonight's game, one of six shooting from the floor, two points, four rebounds, two assists. You know, I brought up a lot that he was going on a really – he had a really nice month in February. He was a top 70 player. 25 minutes a night, usually 10 points, eight rebounds. Close to a steal and a half, close to a three and a half. It's all gone. In a sort of an unintuitive way now that J.J. Redick isn't here. This was a mostly starting five performance out of New Orleans. To the Dallas side of things, Luka Doncic did Luka Doncic things. Another triple-double for him, which I believe, unless I've missed a triple-double in between, I believe since last week, I believe that this now gives him the Dallas Mavericks franchise record for triple-doubles. 30 points. 17 rebounds, 10 assists, a steal, and a block, and seven turnovers on 9 of 20 shooting with four threes. The efficiency stuff has really come back in a big way for him, unfortunately. He missed 11 shots, and he missed five free throws. The five free throws is really going to kill you, as with the turnovers. But you can't deny the sexiness of a 30-point, 17-rebound triple-double. That's all anyone's going to talk about. Kristaps Porzingis also is playing really, really well of late. 34 points on 14 of 28 shots, three three-pointers, 12 rebounds, three assists, and five block shots. Fantastic stuff out of him. Dorian Finney-Smith, I believe, left this game with a hip issue, so he only saw nine minutes, which opened the door for more playing time for Seth Curry and DeLon Wright. Curry off the bench is continuing to... Maintained some neat, some decent scoring, 21 points on 7 of 12 shots, 6 threes, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. Whereas Wright, in 25 minutes, scored 10 points to go with 3 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and 3 three-pointers. Um, pretty hesitant to recommend adding any Dallas Maverick. But I will say that these two are worth looks for different reasons. Curry, because, I mean, the scoring is just... He's playing the best basketball of his career. And... They're definitely going to use a lot more of him if Finney Smith is out for an extended period of time. And same for DeLon Wright. He'll be able to find slot in at minutes at the two and maybe a little bit at the three in small ball lineups. If you give himself to 25 minutes, there might be some value there in defensive stats. But I think he's proven time and time again this year that he's pretty tough to rely on. 
So I think in mid-sentence, I'm going back, I'm backtracking and just going to say that Seth Curry is really the only guy that I would look to add, whereas D-Lon I've got an eye on. And with that, we're going to move on to our last game on the night, the Washington Wizards and the Portland Trailblazers. Trailblazers getting back Damian Lillard after a six-game absence. You know they're happy to see him. But we'll start with the Washington Wizards side of things. Bradley Beal, um, he's completely he's been locked into FU mode ever since he was snubbed from the All-Star team. Uh, tonight's game, he scored 29 points on 29 shots, six rebounds, six assists, and a steal. He's climbed himself back up to that first-round value, which is nice for teams that were really getting sick of the lack uh, of the rough performances out of him. Since the trade deadline, he's been number nine in nine cat leagues for that for what that's worth. <laughs> Thirty-five points per game. My goodness. Uh, elsewhere, Ruri Hachimura in the starting lineup. He had eleven points to go with four rebounds, four assists, and a steal. Not my favorite option. Shabazz Napier. Uh, I, I you know he played twenty-six minutes. He's still the starting point guard. Three of ten shooting from the floor with one three, nine points, four rebounds, three assists, and a block. This one hurts a little bit more because Ish Smith missed this game with a hamstring issue, which you would have figured opens the door for Napier to play himself into 30 minutes, which did not happen. He uh, He's pretty much a drop in most leagues at this point. I don't think that he's worth waiting on to sort of get something together. It all, all the logic's still there that he could be a really nice fantasy play with the, high, with the fast-paced offense and, you know, the recent history of him doing so in Minnesota, he had a nice top 60 run over like a three week to a month period. But that seems to be gone. Those days are. Um, Mo Wagner moved into the starting lineup over Jan Mahimi and Thomas Bryant. Bryant did not play because of the right foot. Jan Mahimi was a DNP coach's decision. And <laughs> It's, it's frustrating and encouraging that, A, Wagner's in the starting lineup because, you know, he's a permanent stud. At least he has been in Washington. But he only played 19 minutes, had nine points, nine rebounds, and assist two steals on four of eight shooting. That's a decent fantasy line, but you feel like it could be a lot better. He's a guy I'm interested in uh, in adding, but I, I don't. I don't really see the path for him to actually get to that 25-minute role. I just don't think it's going to happen. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe not. But, you know, well, it remains to be seen what happens with Jan Mahimi moving forward, whether or not he's going to be playing more games. And Thomas Bryant, honestly, the dude just needs to be shut down. Washington is I – don't, I don't care what anyone says. They're not playing for anything. This dude can't get over a 15-minute minute limit. He's already re-aggravated a stress reaction in his foot. He's a big man. Just shut him down. You're, we might be gearing, we might be getting closer towards that. If he's permanently shut down, that's the time to add Wagner, but not until we get that news. And then Davis Pertans off the bench, 21 points on 8 of 16 shots, 4 threes, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, and a block in 1 turnover. And yeah. Isaac Bonga picked up a lot more, uh, some extra minutes, I guess, without um, Ish Smith. He played 28 off the bench, seven points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals on three to five shooting, but nothing there. 
And my old friend, Anjes Pazikniks. <laughs> Anjes Pazikniks. 16 minutes for the, the big man off the bench. So two points, four rebounds in a block. Absolutely nothing to keep tabs on there. I just wanted to try and say the guy's name. And I think I did okay. Final team for tonight. The Portland Trailblazers welcoming Damian Lillard back after a six-game absence. In 32 minutes, he scored 22 points on four with on six of 12 shooting, four rebounds, five assists, and two steals in a block. Hassan Whiteside went big. He had 24 points to go with 16 rebounds, two assists, four blocks on 10 of 14 shooting. Carmelo Anthony scored 25 points on eight of 13 shots, five rebounds and assists, and two steals. CJ McCollum played well with 22 points on 9 of 18 shooting, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. And Trevor Ariza played pretty well as well. 15 points on 3 of 5 shooting, 2 threes, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 4 assists. Really solid performance all around by the Portland starting 5 tonight. It was probably a celebration of having their main guy Lillard back. He played 32 minutes out the shoot, so no concerns with him ramping up at all he's plug and play good to go the whole team will really benefit as a result and this all and this kills the value of anyone else on this team particularly gary trent jr who looks like he has played himself into a nice share of minutes for himself off the bench he had 28 minutes in this one but he only scored two points on one of seven shots five rebounds four assists no three-pointers you know, if a couple of those threes go in, it might be a better line, but he's not on the radar in pretty much any setting. He does appear to be, he does appear to have earned himself a six-man role, though, which is nice. And that's it. That's your box score breakdown, folks. I am praying, pray to God there's no technical issues associated with this one, because having to record this podcast a third time would be awful. Frankly, <laughs> it's one in the morning my time. I would not be recording a third podcast. This would be it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mentioned earlier at the, sh- at the top, uh, or, you know, we have some new podcasts here, uh, that's really exciting stuff. I'm really a fan. I've listened to both of them and they're definitely worth a listen of, uh, first one, we'll say that the, the hoop ball Chicago bulls feed is back up and running. It was a thing that existed before. I think it was a little before my time. Um, not quite sure what happened with that one, but it's back now. It, they just had their debut episode um, go up. Hosted by Greg Braz. I'm sorry if I pronounced that last name uh, incorrectly, uh, Greg. But I listened to uh, I listened to the first show. He sound he uh, sounds like a great host. If you're a Bulls fan, and I talked a lot about them in this podcast, they're very interesting right now. Definitely worth a listen. Keep your tabs on the hoop ball news feed for when that next episode drops. And then, of course, the other show is a general NBA show. It's not fantasy stuff. It's just NBA Today, hosted by Corbin. Listen to that. Listen to a couple of his episodes, and he's got he, he's really good, guys. Definitely want to take a few pointers from him on how to do a solo pod. Um, he does a variety of different things. He has he mixes humor with interesting stats you can tell that he's a huge fan definitely recommend both of those new podcasts is the chicago the hoop ball bulls podcast and nba today you can look them up on our website and i'm sure hoop ball at hoop ball fantasy will have a lot we'll be plugging their links a lot moving forward here 
Speaking of plugging, you guys should follow me on Twitter at Alan Srochi, A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. I try and do daily weekday watch lists. Uh, I have did not get one out for today, but I, tr- I generally get them out Mondays through Fridays. It's a lot of fun. Kind of go through what I do here and go over all these fringy guys that uh, are, are sort of noteworthy, just trends that are worth monitoring. It's a fun way to engage with a lot of listeners and a lot of readers and all of that. So join the fun. You can tell me uh, you hate my voice too or whatever. I don't even care. Come and talk to me. I love I love reaching out to all of you guys on Twitter. And yeah, hopefully next week I'll be accompanied by some other voice talent here. The captain, I believe he'll be making his return. So that'll be a lot of fun. And yeah, we're getting close, guys. It is the ramp up here. I'm not going to waste any more time. Thank you all for tuning in. I will catch you all next week. Have a great rest of your week. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.